It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. back to do the evolution i'm your host jason lang and this is my podcast about all things filmmaking technology and transformation a couple of things i want to cover this week first off a kind of random wild dream which i think then dovetails into my first major topic uh, the concept of show don't tell very popular in screenwriting which we'll talk about um, but also something i've been thinking about in terms of transformation lately and a um, way to actually enact integrity in the world. And then after that, I think I'm just going to rant for a little bit about uh, friggin' notifications. They're getting crazier and crazier, and it's starting to drive me nuts. But first off, this was maybe two weeks ago. So I'm pretty hit or miss when it comes to dreams and remembering them. Um, sometimes happens a lot. Sometimes I don't remember dreams for weeks. However, a couple weeks ago, I had a fairly crazy dream, uh, pretty fun to psychoanalyze. But basically, um, in my dream, was in a room, I feel like it was maybe some kind of live event or something on TV. So there are a lot of people all in this one room. And our uh, president was there, Donald Trump. And for some reason, I don't know why, but the moment came where I got to, or for some reason I was forced to, I don't, I don't actually remember the context of how I got there, but suddenly I was standing in this room surrounded by people and Trump walked up to me and I walked up to him and I had to shake his hand and stand in front of him and look him in the eye. And it was a very intense moment and dream experience in which I could feel, uh, I felt like I could not fully ho hold his gaze in integrity. And what I mean by that was I could feel in me the power of what it would mean to actually hold his gaze and really just with eye contact itself actually transmit some kind of integrity, some kind of feeling of wow, I see you and this is not okay. And I actually kind of felt my body like get overwhelmed and I kind of got blown out in a sense of like I couldn't couldn't hold on to my core, couldn't hold on to my sense or center and kind of got fuzzy and blown out. Um, and it was interesting because even though that was kind of the experience of the dream, the flavor I had upon waking um, was actually not shame, which is something I thought I probably would have felt because I, in some ways, I kind of like failed in a sense. But it was actually excitement of like, wow, I can feel what it might mean to be able to fully root and stand in that power of integrity. And in some ways, by just meeting someone's gaze in a completely dropped in and integrated place, like what that might potentially do for the world. Now, not saying I'm going to go find Mr. Trump and change his whole way of being by just making eye contact with him. Um, but it was an interesting dream for me as this word, the word even integrity and what it means to stand in my power as a man has been something that's been up for me for the last couple of weeks, even a month or so. 
And it's actually something that um, one of the ways I've been thinking about it and have for a long time is uh, this concept of show, don't tell. And this is actually a really famous kind of axiom of screenwriting and particularly um, the idea that uh, it's kind of the difference between (laughs) shitty or bad movies in my mind and good ones. And show, don't tell is a way to remind people that filmmaking itself and films, unlike novels, poetry, other written forms, even though we're writing a screenplay, it's actually meant to be a visual um, story, a visual language. But oftentimes what happens is people write stuff to get information across versus actually showing it. So this is kind of the classic um, pitfall of cringeworthy dialogue in a lot of movies. I just saw King Kong a couple weeks ago, and it was just uh, totally, totally guilty of this in that basically we hear things about a character just through exposition. And exposition is basically um, words, lines, and sentences that are setting up the story, right? Explaining things. But the thing is, in real life, we don't actually very often talk exposition out loud. It's only in bad screenwriting that you really hear it. And exposition in this sense um, means in actu- instead of actually showing something about a character or a situation, we just say it. Like, um, I'm trying to remember, there was a really cringeworthy line from John Goodman that was like, we're just a bunch of scientists here and da-da-da-da-da-da, we're not warriors. And I don't remember the exact phrasing. But exposition is basically where you hear someone speak the plot. Um, I would say pop culture-wise, one of the most classic places for this, in some sense, is like James Bond's villains, where they just suddenly stop and tell you what their whole master plan is. And it's terrible. It's annoying. It's not actually how people speak. And it's lazy in the sense it actually tells us, it only tells us through dialogue um, how people... It's kind of explaining how people behave or the state of their emotions instead of actually showing us. And a difference there is... um, So you actually get a lot of exposition oftentimes in TV shows uh, just because they have so much to cover in so little time. And a lot of just kind of terrible movies also just have this concept of um, bad exposition and people speaking the plot rather than actually showing you. Um, So I think I, in my favorite movies of the year, even I talked about Doctor Strange, which overall was a pretty solid movie, but one I was pretty disappointed with. And this is a great example, that movie, of one of the reasons I didn't like it was the first act I thought was really weak. Um, A, just way too fast, and B, it actually fell prey to this exposition problem and the reverse of Show, Don't Tell, where they were telling and not showing. So we meet Stephen Strange, and in the course of 10 minutes, we basically, they try to cram in his whole backstory. And through his relationship with the um, other female doctor, we learn that he's kind of an egotistical prick who only thinks about himself. Now, that's great. That's a great setup for the character. I mean, kind of the same setup for 
Tony Stark as well, but whatever. They're clearly grooming him to replace him. But the problem with that for me was we were actually only told that. So she says that and we hear that, but we never actually see it. We never see him being a particularly big dick to people other than her, this one character. So we don't actually see the signs of the behavior as he's displayed on screen. We're just told it through dialogue. and We're like, oh, well, he's a dick because she said so versus actually seeing him being a dick on the screen um, in various different ways with a little more time. I think would is always more effective and far more emotionally compelling um, in almost all cinema. Now, the reverse of show don't tell, um, sorry, not the reverse, but good examples of show don't tell, kind of random, but both which come to mind right now are actually, um, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but um, Star Wars Force Awakens, the first time we meet Rey, it's actually about a six to seven minute scene. And the thing is, it's basically silent. And it just shows her moving through a day and trying to gather some junk and how she goes and tries to sell it and the problems she encounters and how she bonds with her robot and what she thinks about at night. And by actually showing us, I feel like we learn more about that character in six minutes than oftentimes we do about other characters in entire films. I mean, it's a great, again, going back to another one of my episodes, great parallel um, to show the difference between what I liked about Force Awakens and what I didn't about Rogue One. We never have those moments of showing, not telling, with Jyn Erso, who's in Rogue One. We're just told things about her. We're told about how she, um, what she believes about the world, but we don't actually see her being herself much on the screen versus Ray in for the force awakens who were shown a lot. And again, it's just a short kind of scene and it doesn't even use much dialogue, but I feel like you learn, we learn more. I learned more about Ray in that one scene in force awakens than I do about Jyn in all of rogue one. And because of that, I care a shit ton more about Ray. She feels like much more of a human character. I have a much greater sense of how she moves through the world and what she believes and what her challenges are. Now, another totally random one is, um, it's actually always stuck with me, but um, it was, what did they call it? Rocky Balboa. It was the last Rocky about Rocky back in like 2006 or 2007. And, you know, Rocky movies to me are kind of male romantic comedies very formulaic, but man, when they're done right, they play the right strings and notes for men in terms of challenge and um, sticking to a goal and growing and living your edge and all that great stuff that can get guys fired up. But this Rocky Rocky Balboa back in 2006, um, really, you know, cheesy or not, Sylvester Stallone is one of those guys that when he's firing right in the slim the small sliver of like what he's able to do really well. He's actually a great screenwriter and very economical. And the first time we find Rocky again in that uh, movie, again, it's actually kind of mostly a silent sequence about him just moving through his house and going to his restaurant. And it shows us a couple of his daily rituals and 
we learn so much about who he is since the last movie, everything that's happened to him. And people aren't, the, the screenplay isn't really telling us that. It's not like someone's on screen saying like, oh, well, Rocky's kind of in a hard place of heartache because Adrian died. Spoilers. And he's a little down on his luck. He's kind of unsure of himself. You know, in a lesser movie, that would have been spoken out loud. And Rocky actually might have said it. Like, I just I just can't seem to uh, find my fire anymore. Polly, or I don't remember if he was alive in that movie or not. Since Adrian died, there's just like a, a hole in my heart. And that's the kind of thing when I hear on screen, I just cringe. And it's like, ah, ick, no, people don't really tend to talk like that. It's way more compelling to actually see him moving through his world via the showing, meaning we actually see the evidence for it on screen and aren't just hold it. And the power of that, I think, is we actually get to have an emotional experience when we see someone suffering or when we see someone um, animating as their true selves on screen. We emotionally get invested in a way that when someone just delivers a line of dialogue, we don't. Show, don't tell. Great, great simple um, screenwriting rule. And you can actually use it as a lens to watch through movies and realize when you're just being told something or when you're being shown something. And most of all the great films basically show and they don't tell. They actually use the visual grammar of cinema to convey emotional experiences and information about characters. Now, so what does that have to do with transformation? Well, it's actually a great, um, I am finding it's a great lens through which to view teachers, um, myself, and those around me in terms of, yeah, it's actually very easy to talk about, like, think positive thoughts, um, be love, feel one with everything, and it's really, in some ways, pretty easy to teach this stuff. Um, it's so getting so mainstream in our culture. I mean, every time I go on Facebook, it's like, you know, I'm certainly in a sliver of a sliver of the American population and in that the global population. But a lot of people I know in my Facebook feed, we're all kind of doing the same thing of trying to teach something and getting into this transformational work. Um, my fiance is in a course right now and I had an interesting thing I hadn't heard before, but that we're moving from the age of information to the age of transformation, meaning now there's so much information, it can be overwhelming. What actually matters is, well, tell me what to do that's actually going to transform me. And in some ways, that I feel like is a shift to show, don't tell. And embodying the concept of show, don't tell, um, to me is starting to feel like a marker for how I want to move through the world is... Yeah, I can tell people I'm a good person or tell people this and that, like you should do this or you should do that. But actual integrity is when I'm just showing it through my actions. And in some ways, that's far more powerful, I find. And when I've witnessed people showing and not necessarily telling, showing me a better way to live life by actually doing it themselves and not just telling me how to live a better life, um, I find it far more moving profound and trustable. Um, you know, having spent pretty much, uh, a large part of 2016 
working on um, a documentary about a fallen spiritual teacher and having seen it really in my own life and so many people around me, just this constant refrain of finding out that people were trusting with our spiritual well-being in some ways have some kind of big failing and while they're telling us something, they're not actually living it in their lives and that kind of breakdown of trust around that. It's something that's obviously super present for me. So this lens of like, well, is this person showing or telling? And I can feel it in my body. I, I feel like when someone's showing, there's like a animation and a magnetism and a desire to like be in the space around them and a trustability. And I think even going back to my Donald Trump dream in my own life, I'm struggling with what does it mean to show in my life and not just tell? What does it mean to actually take all these teachings, take all this um, thinking about how to be in the world and actually just be a good person? Um, You know, for all the stuff I've studied in transformation, it's funny, but the one thing that comes back to me over and over and over is uh, the Coen Brothers movie. I think it's called, I always confuse them because it came out at the same time, but there's a simple man and a single man. And it's the Coen Brothers one. I don't remember which one it is right now. I'll look it up at some point. Put it in the show notes. Um, but it's kind of like a Job-like story about a dude who just having keeps having some really awful stuff happen to him. It's a very dark comedy. Very dark comedy. But in that movie, there is a rabbi that is kind of elevated to the point of being somewhat of a mystical um, guru throughout the whole film. And so, spoiler warnings, I suppose, if you haven't seen this movie, it came out a while ago, but hey. Anyway, it's not really a big deal in that sense, but uh, our character eventually gets to like meet the mystical rabbi and is like desperate to know what he says. And he basically just says to him, be a good boy. And that's actually like really stuck with me um, all these years as profoundly true and really great sage advice. And in my own mind, I kind of translated that to just like, don't be shitty. Like, don't be shitty. There is a lot of just shittiness in the world. Like sometimes I just get overwhelmed by hearing how shitty some people are. And that is, right, just feel that. Don't be shitty. It's entirely subjective. It's such a subjective thing to say. But I actually also think it's pretty easy to tune into. Like right now, if I drop into my body and kind of feel into what I'm feeling and then pop out and look at the situation, like, am I being shitty? Like, am I just being a shitty person? Am I being shitty to this person? Am I being shitty to myself? Um, And I feel like with all the mumbo jumbo in the spiritual world and how much spiritual bypass and all kinds of crap there can be, I just feel like if people were just less shitty, like just be less shitty to each other, that things would be a lot better. And like I said, talking about like fallen teachers and stuff, I don't know if there's anything more disheartening with whether it's a spiritual teacher or a actor, actress, artist, someone you like, whose work you're really drawn to. And then you have an interaction with them in person or you hear about them and it's like, wow, 
They actually just sound shitty. How disappointing that that person is being shitty. Because I hoped they wouldn't be. So for me, uh, show don't tell is a is tied intrinsically into like, can I not be shitty in the world? Can I uh, hold the values I hold dear in terms of being just relatively good to other people and to myself and not being shitty? And can I actually carry that through my whole life? I don't know. It's a big experiment. Um, but I feel like the more I can show and not tell, meaning actually just behave in a certain way, in some ways I feel like that's the only thing I can do in terms of how to change the world and my part in it. So, show, don't tell. Um, would love to hear other people's examples of their favorite scenes of great showing or atrociously bad telling. I may uh, dig some up from the show notes and put them in as well, just so you can get a sense of that. And just starting to notice that, um, it's such a great gauge. And honestly, can kind of suck because it'll destroy a lot of movies when you start to view them from that lens. And it just sucks all the air out of film for me when telling starts to occur. And there's these huge exposition dumps instead of just showing. Oh, another moment of great showing and not telling The Descent from like 2005. Really dark horror movie. But my God, the final scene, all I'll say, um, when two characters confront each other, confront each other, completely visual, no dialogue uttered, pure show, zero tell, and holy shit is it impactful. So good. Such good screenwriting. So impactful. Such a great moment. Um, we'll also link that in the show notes. Definitely check that one out if you haven't. The CG's probably not aged particularly well, but man, that's a dark, great movie, especially if you watch the original ending. Um, so yeah, shifting gears again, man, I opened up my laptop the other day and I opened up Chrome and Chrome sent me a freaking notification for a YouTube channel in my browser that said something, something has posted a new video and I almost screamed out loud, like, holy shit, I didn't give you permission to do that. I didn't know YouTube could send me notifications. I don't want to have to go in there and disable that. And it just started to annoy the hell out of me. Everything has notifications these days. And Facebook. I tell you, I run a couple of pages on Facebook, of which this Do The Evolution is one of them. And it is undeniable to me that... Uh, Oftentimes, Facebook will show a notification signal for a page, then I click on it and I go there, and there's actually nothing new. Now, this might just be a bug, but what it, what it uh, leads to is, man, that there's a dark side there in terms of one way to start training people is to push erroneously these push notifications that then require engagement, and then you're drawn in, even if nothing happened or nothing is new there. Part of me feels like occasionally if a page just hasn't been active for a while, Facebook shows the little red dot, and then I click on it and I go there, and that drives me nuts. And just this push towards constant notifications on everything. I'm, I've said it before, I'm a pretty big tech guy, but I'm starting to hit my Luddite stage. Just yesterday, even Facebook rolled out the Facebook stories and Facebook live um, bubbles like they had for Instagram and Messenger 
at the top of the Facebook app on mobile. And oh my God, I do not want to sit around all day watching people's live stories. Like there is already so much shit and information in the world. The idea that I have to keep up with everyone's live stories now is just, it's overwhelming. It's too much. I cannot deal with it. I do not want to see it at the top of my screen. I would give anything for the ability to turn that off on Instagram and Facebook. I, I, what I worry about with this constant live engagement is it's pushing things to even more and more ephemeral content. There's just more and more people, you know, as a entrepreneur and someone who builds websites for people and helps coach other entrepreneurs. I do. (laughs) What a challenging time. Like everything is pushing people away from the long tail to the short tail. Publish something ephemeral that lasts for a couple seconds that gets you a ton of worthless likes that mean nothing in the long run. It's instant reactivity, meaning you do get instant feedback on your media, which itself hooks right into our dopamine systems and our addiction systems deep in our brain. But my God, it has no long-term longevity. It still drives me nuts when I see people pouring all these articles and long writings straight into Facebook status updates, which have zero life, maybe a week out. Now, flip that and you take the time to actually build a consistent long tail presence on the web, posting those on your blog, getting those blogs out and read, creating interactions on your website. Thing is, you get almost no engagement immediately, like none. You could blog straight for every Friday for two years, and it's just going to be a teeny little blip up every time. But when that curve comes and it explodes, all those old articles become relevant again. Your long tail is suddenly extremely important because then any one of those articles becomes a gateway and an access for anyone to come in and discover the rest of your material. Versus all this ephemeral Facebook crap and all these notifications, they just seem to be driving us more and more and more towards sugar. Just worthless, zero nutritional value gone in an instant. But man, you're spending more time in those platforms. Which is ultimately their goal, is just to have your attention all the time. Because your attention is the economical engine behind Facebook and behind Google, and behind, in so many ways, this new economy. Um, Attention and transformation. It's interesting thinking about even what I just said about the transformation economy. And is really just another version of the attention economy, meaning there is so much information out there right now. The premium is knowing not, it's not even about, do I have access to it anymore? It's, can someone tell me or show me where to put my attention? Pretty much for a large amount of things on this planet, other than some uncurable diseases and health problems. You know, there's a lot of information out about how to get better or solve any problem on the planet, particularly transformation wise. You know, it's like what used to be a mystery is far less of a mystery now about how do I actually get healthy in my life, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, But the thing is, there are so many different tools and platforms and 
models around that, it can just be freaking overwhelming to figure it out. So the idea of having a coach or a therapist or a spiritual teacher, I think part of it at this point is just, I will pay you to tell me what to pay attention to so I can transform. And this attention economy, man, it just seems to be getting stronger and stronger all the time. It's just crazy. So we have this ephemeral, sugary, just useless, and I love Facebook, I do, but I'm just starting to notice it more and more that like, oh, I just don't want to be in there sometimes because it's just like the push to just the short form, non-existent, non-long tail content just breaks my heart when I see people dumping their lives into it and not building any kind of long-term solution where it's like, oh, well, if Facebook changes its feed or decides to ban you, like all your work's just gone Yes, you get the immediate hit of reactions, but no, you haven't really truly built a single utility that you own, which these days, I mean, it's really kind of an email newsletter and RSS feeds, but even email newsletters are changing because now Google's filtering inboxes and all that. And every time a company decides to filter something, they're taking power from your hands. So anytime... You're relying on a communication mechanism in which a company's choice to filter it alters whether or not your audience receives your content. I feel like that is actually giving away authority. Now, the way they're willing, the devil's deal in that is you get instant reactions. You actually get a feedback loop much faster. But what cost? That is the great question. Um, Every time Facebook moves more towards pay to play, it's like, oh, I got I to gotta pay for ads now. Oh, I got to boost this post now. Google probably doing the same thing with their s- smart filtered inboxes. You know, it's scary. Do the long tail. Build an RSS feed. Build an email newsletter campaign. That's really what it takes in the end. I don't know. I feel like in some sense that's the only thing you can rely on over time. Or a direct podcast. Um, fan base to not be at the whims of these attention-sucking giants. All right, that's probably enough for now. Quite a uh, random episode with these different things, but uh, all on my heart, all on my mind. And until next time, this is Jason Lang with Do the Evolution. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. Check them out.